The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like the show, please subscribe to it. There's so much to learn, so, so much to learn. Plus, we'll notify you each week when the next episode drops. Cell phones, tablets, computers, technology is everywhere. Sometimes it's tough to know if your children have a healthy relationship with technology or if it's starting to become unhealthy. Our guest today is Nathan Sutherland of Flint and Iron. Flint and Iron is an incredible nonprofit. Nathan is a former school teacher who now dedicates his time to working with youth and families to think about how they can use technology and not let it use them. Interesting stuff. Let's go. And so we had this conversation of, all right, how much is this just the way the new normal, right? And I'm just an old guy yelling, get off my lawn because I don't understand it. And how much of this is actually concerning behavior that we need to alter and help uh, young people navigate? And so I think we start that conversation by actually recognizing there's two kinds of tech. Uh, the first kind of tech is what I just call tool tech. It's tech that helps us create. Uh, and the, the cool part about tool tech is it helps us do what we want to do more effectively. It's effectively the digital shovel. And the other side of that is drool tech. And the reason that's really important is tool tech and drool tech are actually designed differently. So when tool tech is designed to create, uh, or yeah, I guess create, let's use that word. Uh, drool tech is designed to help us consume. And that's not bad, but we do need to note that it's different. Uh, because when we look at our our young people, or in my case, my students' behavior, I want to look at, all right, not just does it plug into a wall, does it have a screen, is it designed for a smartphone, but what is the purpose of this device? Because uh, I think it really all boils down to a word just called engagement. And the idea of engagement is we want people to use our product. So in tool tech, I make a really useful product. And that's, we use these all the time, right? Like Band-Aids, Kleenex, like when my six-year-old scrapes his knee, like band-aids are what come out, right? I don't look for another product. I don't think in my head, what should I use? Like band-aid is it. And that's engagement. I'm engaging their product. It's my one solution. However, drool tech sometimes adds more than just good product to it. They add uh, layers of engagement that are manipulative and use behavioral design. And that can be anything from infinite scroll to notifications on how other people's lives cool. are better than yours or yeah. any of that stuff, right? And that, that's, well, that's a huge thing with the notifications because it's like Facebook will just notify me on something random. Like you have memories and it's like, yes. I don't need to know about my memories, but <laughs> like it's I literally trying have to get your memories. attention. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Hey, like so-and-so that you may not have seen since high school is now on Facebook. And like, I don't, I don't know why I needed to know that. Or so-and-so just posted something new to their feed. I'm like, if I cared, I would look. Like, I don't need to know that. And I definitely didn't need it bannered onto my phone while I'm trying to do something else. But that would be an example of just that little bit of a tap because their engagement is more than just use our product. And if we're good enough, you'll always come back. Microsoft Word, right? There's no engagement strategy. We just use it because it works. And if you like pages more, use that because it works. 
Uh, but in drool tech, and, and I am getting back to the answer, I promise. But in drool tech, the reason this matters is that engagement can really, it's focused in three things. It wants to keep our time, our focus, and our money. Uh, and that's where video games and social media, as you mentioned, uh, can, can really get out of hand. So then we got to look at, all right, I can see my child using the device. I now know what it is. It's tool tech or drool tech. Tool tech, AutoCAD, Microsoft, iMovie, probably never going to run into many overuse issues there. Uh, but when it gets to drool tech, I can start going, all right, now I need to assess, is this healthy? And I just use an acronym called RESET. I go, does this impede or does it improve? my child's relationships and responsibilities, their emotions, their sleep, their enjoyment, and their time. And if it improves, all five were good. But if there's any area where now it impedes, I say, hey, when my kid watches that show, plays that game, hangs out with their friends on that app, I notice a distinct alteration, right? And this behavior for the worse, now that becomes a conversation point. It doesn't mean you never use the app or play the game. But it does mean, hey, child, I love you. Now, that may not be a conversation for like a four-year-old. You may just have to say, hey, you don't get to watch that show right now because it does something to your brain that makes you hit your sister. Uh, but we do that's, that becomes a conversation point. And I love that because now the adult in the child's life becomes the, the one fighting for the child rather than just with them when it comes to technology. Sometimes kids are just depressed, though. And can maybe yeah. just bury themselves in their phone. And it's like, well, the phone's not the problem. They're depressed and they're using the phone. Yeah. Yeah. This, and that's huge, right? And the image that I use to kind of explain that both to young people and to uh, adults in their lives is this idea of, is it the blister or is it a pebble? Uh, so I have three kiddos, three, six, and eight. And this last summer, uh, the three-year-old was running around in the driveway and he goes, daddy, owie, pointing at her foot. So I go pull off her uh, off her shoe and there's a you know a piece of, of rock in there just embedded in her chubby little foot. And I pull the rock out, toss it away, and her foot is fine. She runs off, no more problems or pain. My six-year-old does the same thing that like two, three days later, and I go and take his shoe off and there is a, I mean, silver dollar sized blister on the bottom of his foot because he went through the sprinklers, ran around with no socks on for an entire hot, humid day, right? And, and it was an issue. Now, I can't just remove the blister and expect the pain to go away. It's actually the blister's there because something else is causing the rub. Mm. And when we think about technology, sometimes our kids are running to unhealthy outlets, per, uh, participating in unhealthy tech behavior because there's actually another issue. Maybe they're getting bullied. Maybe uh, something else is happening in life. Maybe they're experiencing depression, anxiety. And we need to recognize that simply ripping the tech out of their life won't fix that. So that's where Reset is still helpful because it begins the conversation on, hey, I noticed that these two things are correlated, your social media and your attitude, right? You, this particular friend group and your behaviors, whatever it is, they're related. Let's try to get to the root of what's happening there because not I'm scared of this ruining your life and I'm going to lock you in a hole so that you'll be good one day. But instead, like, no, because I love you and I want you to have everything that's going to be awesome for you and none of the stuff that's going to hurt you. So let's talk it out. And I think that idea of is this the cause or is it a symptom is really important for us to address. And avoiding a power struggle and being like, I'm on your side. That's a whole different approach and way of looking at it. Uh, you talked about screens influencing sleep and yeah. that's a tough one for me because sometimes I'll wake up at like four or five in the morning and then I'm anxious and I can't get to sleep 
And then it's like, well, I'm bored. And so, you know, you look at your phone and then it's like, well, that's going to make it even harder to get to sleep or. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh man. It's so real. Right. And we've all been here adults. We are, we are the primary, <laughs> I would say uh, the, the tip of the spear on offending in this category um, is how our digital tech and our drool tech really can creep on us. Um, and we've all done it, right? Most of us use our smartphones as alarm clocks, which then brings that whole suite of distractions into us uh, where our social media is there and our shows are there and our our social outlets are there and our amusement and entertainment is all there for their video games and others. Um, even our news apps often function more like entertainment than honest informing decision-making uh, pieces of tool tech, right? Uh, most of the time it's just kind of like global gossip with videos attached. Mm. Uh, so when we talk about sleep and, and I guess I'll, I'll just jump right into this idea of if once we have a reset and we've assessed, we also have this other side of art, what do we do with that? Like I woke up at 4am, what do I do? How do I not just turn to my phone? And there's another acronym, just renew. And the first step on that is to just remove tech from your bedroom. There's zero research out there arguing that tech, especially in a young person's bedroom, that tech in a bedroom is beneficial. Even for adults though, there's zero research out there being like, it's good for adults that have tech in the uh -huh. bedroom. Uh, it ruins our sleep, our focus, our intimacy. Like it just messes everything up. So we need to model that and Honestly, go to Amazon. You can have an alarm clock shipped to you for eight bucks uh, and it can be there tonight. <laughs> so there are there are some great options out there that are way cheaper than your $1,000 smartphone. Uh, but that's, I think, really the first thing we need to do is get tech out of the rooms, get tech out of our kids' rooms. The longer they're isolated with technology that has access to the internet, whether it's a smart TV or a smartphone or a tablet or even a school computer, the higher their likelihood of getting bullied, running into strangers and running into content that's harmful to their hearts and their minds. So that's our first step. And we do that for our meals as well, because meals are so powerful. And then the rest of a new a renew, excuse me, is we equip them with standards for our content and our time and our standard for trust. Your family has standards for how you determine right and wrong. And that needs to be clearly stated. And this can be done all the way down to your four and five-year-olds. My three-year-old knows it's wrong to go on a laptop without dad there. She knows. That doesn't mean she doesn't try, but she knows. That's been a conversation. She has enough words. She can't speak all the sentences, but she understands that. So we equip our children with that standard. And that's a loving and a hope-focused thing, not a don't break my rules or else, but hey, because I love you, here's these standards that are going to help these wonderful things stay wonderful and not become toxic or harmful. Um, yeah. And and then I, I'll just run through the rest of that because it's renewed. So we remove it from our rooms and meals. We equip our children with an accountable standard. Um, we set up that accountability in a, in a loving way. And I think my favorite for this is Bark. Um, Bark, just bark.us. They do a great resource that kind of helps us acknowledge what's happening on our network without spying on our kids. Hence that trust piece. Mm -hmm. We get those family rhythms in. Uh, where we have our meals and we plan time together. And then we make sure that we are having adventures outside of our digital worlds as well. So we can play our games with our kids. We can use social media, but we make sure that we are getting really all these adventures are the vessels for relationship. And we want to make sure that that's what we're, we're doing with each other. And, and that's how I think you can establish a healthful boundary and a health, healthful litmus in your family of, is this tech becoming more than it should be for us? Well, you talk about, building trust or like building digital trust but i don't like the idea of going through a kid's 
search history or something yeah. like that seems invasive. So how can you do it without being like, like it's you're reading their diary or something? Yeah. And that there are actually some wonderful resources. So bark would be the first that I would tell parents to use because what it's doing is it's looking for just hot, hot button words and phrases and search cues. So if they look up self-harm, if someone texts them something about, you know, you're dumb, like that kind of stuff, it just sends you a notification of, Hey, like this phrase was just texted to your kid's phone. Like, go talk to them about it, right? Rather than giving you uh, full spy access through like some Trojan horse where you can just sit in their life and <laughs> decide if you like the way they're handling things. Um, I really look at it as the idea, like if you're giving your child a smartphone, you're giving them that freedom on the digital world. And our job then once we've made that step is, all right, now we're gonna scaffold that and I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna support and I am gonna see it as well, um, but it's not my job to live their life for them. And so another one I've enjoyed a lot, I use personally is Covenant Eyes. It's more focused just towards uh, like inappropriate images and like pornography. So I, I think it is a useful tool, but I think for young people, we need a little bit more than that because pornography isn't every kid's thing that they're running into. A lot of it is just mean people and tricky strangers and uh, that kind of content. I think Bark does a wonderful job of giving us enough information to act in love and not so much that we are attempting to manipulate or uh, overly control our children. Well, with all that in mind, then when is the right age to give a kid a cell phone? Is there some sort oh, of study man. on this or how, how can you tell they're ready or what do you do there? Yeah, this is one of the more contentious points. Uh, there is zero research saying that it's beneficial. I'll just start with that. Uh, there, it's never the best case scenario. However, there are absolutely times in life where the social situation means, you know what, there's a lot of pressure. My child wants to belong in this. Um, they're just personal development. There's things they're interested in that it would help. Uh, and I would say, just, just based on my reading, based on my experience, based on my teaching, um, based on the research I've had available to me and, and been able to look through, 15 is about as early as we should look for a smartphone. There's some amazing, not smartphones that let you take pictures send texts, but they don't have apps and they don't have the internet and they can't receive images. By 15, I totally get the argument of, hey, they're going to connect with their friends on this. And I want them to have experience getting mm -hmm. a running start into the real world while I'm still here to support them. So they don't just run into the wild west of the interwebs by themselves as an 18 year old. So I think 15 is our, is our baseline. Uh, and I would say that that's because of uh, three reasons, really mental health, the content they're running into online, the emotional, um, just grab it. Even if all they have is news apps, think about that. If they're reading about the world right now as a 13, 14, 15 year old, and they don't have any outlet to discuss that or have support on that, it's not in a classroom setting. They're just getting the news of the internet like that. That's really heavy. And then you get anxiety and eating disorders and depression and suicidal ideations and pornography. That's, that's heavy for anyone under the 15. And there's no real upsides. Uh, so I'd say 15 is our baseline. And then we add it in with that family conversation. You're going to get pushed back on that uh, 15 number from yeah. a lot of kids. But I, I think circling back to social media, I think a big part of it is for kids, it's a way to feel, you know, for maybe adults too, it's a way to feel validated of like, I could make this TikTok video and it gets a million views. And then I'm interesting and important because so many people are paying attention to me. And 
I mean, it's not wrong to want to feel validated, but it's kind of not a healthy way to get that validation. Yeah, and I, I think two, two things really are concerning to me from the research and then what we're seeing statistically. Uh, so before COVID, uh, so 2019 headed into 2020, um, the average teenager was spending eight hours a day on drool tech, on, on entertainment tech. So this wasn't Zoom meetings, this wasn't school stuff, uh, this wasn't research papers, this is just amusement technology, eight hours a day. And the findings were that starting at two hours a day, the risk of suicidal ideation, the idea of, of thinking about what would the world like be like without me here and starting to kind of imagine what that might look like, that went up 20% at two hours. And at five hours, it was up almost 65%. So we average eight hours a day, like, like almost 50% more than that max amount. Uh, and that's just for our kids in general. That's, uh, that's a lot of time. Concern is the mental health piece is real. And we're seeing that in the research. The validation then, it, it gets this, uh, I guess, idea of a disposable relationship and also a dependable relationship. And these are kind of uh, flip sides of the same coin. So on one side, uh, if it, you, we run into these social situations where if you don't do what I want, there's this like ultimatum, I'll just go to a different app. I'll find a different friend group. I'll go to a different server because I could pick you up and drop you just as click of a button, right? That's all it takes. And so you almost get held hostage in these relationships. Well, I don't want to lose my friend. So I have to now go with this or on the other side, you get so connected and so engaged because these people are so much more present than real life. Um, so for example, I had students who had a group discord going and I just use discord as an example. It works in other and apps, but that meant that their app was open all day long from when they woke up, it would be on. And this group is going through the school day after the school day to bedtime when they go to sleep on a live chat. And that's awesome that they have good friends, but that kid had no time to their own thoughts. They had no personal space and the, that dependency that grows where now if I hit a hard day, I have to have this group 24 seven on me or else I don't know what's gonna happen because I can't be alone. And I think that concern of social media is just one aspect, right? Of like, I need all these people to love me. I want to be, I ask kids all the time, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And I'll always hear influencer. Like what, <laughs> what do you wanna influence them in? I don't know, I just wanna be famous and important, right? I wanna matter. And in their mind, that means, People will look to me for their opinions, no matter what we're talking about. And uh, I, I see that that then develop into either the dependency side or the disposable relationship side, um, which I believe the psychology on that would call that a parasocial relationship, right? Where I watch a streamer, that person, I feel like they matter to me, but I'm just one of 10 million people that watch. And that, that concept of a relationship that's entirely one-sided um, can yeah. be dangerous for our young people. Well, and I thought it was interesting you brought up like just being alone in your thoughts. Like I remember as a kid, just sort of like sitting around bored sometimes, but that's probably important to have just a little time to be like, what do you really think? Or like discover yourself a little more. And it's like you're being denied just time to think because you always got yeah. something flashing in front of you. Yeah. And it's the research on that is fascinating. Like the importance of boredom and the research in just the last five to 10 years that's come out on what boredom does for us, that ability for your brain to lower its, uh, its stimulation levels enough to start to recognize like, oh, I don't, I don't have anything going on right now. And that is the immediate push of like, I should pick up my phone. I should do something and to fight against that and to leave that space. I mean, 
I, I not only is it important for your brain's ability to process thoughts and to uh, develop as an individual, but when you get to like the spiritual side of an individual of like what develops your character, like who are you? Like you've got to be more than just your likes and follows. You've got to be, there's got to be something in them that's driving your motivations more than the next thing you can get. And we can't do that unless we have the space to kind of process those harder and bigger thoughts of right and wrong and good and bad and personal identity, right? Like those are big concepts that we don't get from a YouTube video. Um, at least we don't, we can get the general idea, but we don't get to process it for ourselves. And that, I, that quiet is really important for that. Comes from within. Well, this yeah. definitely was not a boring conversation. <laughs> and thank you for being here. Uh, tell us your website. Yeah, so flintandiron.org. Uh, so it's just, let's spell it all out. There's no ampersand, just flintandiron.org. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Nathan. Hey, thank you for having me, Bobby. Thank you, Nathan. I hope that gave you something to think about. I know I got a lot from it. This has been the Parental Compass Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.